Hi, everybody. How you doing? You hanging in there? You doing okay? I don't know if you've had this experience, but lately I've kind of been waking up and then realizing, oh, that wasn't a bad dream. I really am living this out. This is the new normal, if you will, for at least for a while. You know, it, it kind of conjures up all kinds of images like what's going to happen at the end of this thing? Is there going to be an end to this thing? Where are we going to be financially? Where's our country going to... At some point, you got to stop. The Bible says over 360 times, fear not. Don't fear. I think one of the greatest things we need to worry about, and I think it was pretty famous during World War II, a quote that said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And uh, we don't need to fear. The Bible talks a lot about fear. As a matter of fact, let me read a passage. Uh, Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? See, the reality is the coronavirus has changed a lot of things, and it probably will change some more. But Jesus changes everything. And whatever gets taken away from us during this time, whether it's our, in the present, our ability to move and, and go where we want and do what we want, or to acquire, or, or whatever happens in the future as a result of it, the bottom line is the most important things in life are still there. Our relationship with God, our relationship with those that we love, and uh, fear wants to crowd out that perspective. And so today I just want to do a little teaching on fear. And I think that, uh, yeah, we could use it because all of us let it creep in a little bit once in a while. Fear, it's, an old, it's from an old English word that means sudden calamity or danger. And I think we can relate to that, certainly. Uh, there's a Hebrew word that is related to fear, and it's more about dread. There's even a Latin word that is about anxiety. But what's interesting about the Latin word is that it not only means anxiety, but it means anxiety to the point that you're feeling strangled by it. Isn't that weird? Debilitating fear might be another way to say that. But I want to talk about how to move past fear into faith. Because I really do expect and believe in and, and wanting in my life and in our church us to move through the fear. We can feel it. We can experience it. We don't need to deny it. But we can move through the fear, beyond the fear, into a place of faith with renewed commitment to God, renewed understanding of His presence with us and His provision in our lives, um, and even with maybe stronger relationships, stronger faith, and a stronger sense of our mission. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. And so I just want to start with this. Uh, faith requires some things. The first thing that faith requires is hope. And you're saying, well, I'm hoping this thing will be over. No, no, hope in something much bigger than that. Let me read a, a passage, a very familiar passage from Hebrews 11. It says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let me read again. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now this idea of having being sure about hope, that's a weird if we were sure of it, it wouldn't be hope, it'd be guaranteed. So, And yet there is this sense that in our relationship with God, we have a hope that we're assured of. In other words, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't, we haven't seen it, but because everything else God told us in His Word was true, I have a hope that I'm assured of in heaven. And so I think we can live that out. Now, here's what happens. A lot of times, people in life, they go through life and they don't want to take risks or they don't want to confront difficult situations. Well, this one you're going to confront whether you like it or not, right? We're going to have to deal with this. So why shrink back in fear? Sometimes we think that if we could just have a, a secure life, a risk-free life, then everything would be okay. But the truth is that, that moving forward in life and certainly moving in forward in faith is not risk-free. The only risk-free life is to never take a chance, and it's a victorious-free life. 
You never overcome anything because you never face anything. Well, guess what? We're all going to face this one. And the reality is, is that security was just a mirage anyway. Let me read a quote from Helen Keller. It says this, Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. The reality is, is that you may not have been as secure. If nothing else, <laughs> it's a whole mess. You're going to realize that what you thought you had, what you thought was secure, what you thought, what you maybe put your hope in may not be as secure as you thought it was. But there is one who is greater than whatever it is you're putting your hope in before. And so we can come to a place of hope by realizing that our hope is to be in Christ. It's to be in our relationship with God, not our bank account, not our health, not whatever. Uh, if we don't decide to move forward, uh, we, can, we can be a victim. We can focus on the past and, and say, this is how things should have been. It's so interesting in this thing. It, it, and I know we all want somebody to blame in this deal. And I think I know who to blame, but I'll tell you later what it is. People are pointing fingers if they did this, they did that. At this point, yeah, that maybe later we'll download all that and figure out how we could have done it better. But at this point, finding somebody to blame is only going to keep you in a victim mindset. Well, it should have been different. Well, it's not, right? Later, they can, they can review and, and figure out all that stuff. But right now, you thinking about who should have done what only makes you a victim. Uh, some of us, we're trying to live in the present, but we kind of sometimes fall into a survivor mode. If I can just survive this, if I can just get through it. And the reality is, is, is we can do more than that. We can do more than just survive. There's even people who are thinking about the future, but when the future comes, they may not do anything about it. And those are just dreamers. What we want to be is people filled with faith. People who are living in the present with God's help, who are overcoming and who will be different because we've walked through this and we'll have a different future because we will act on our faith in new and fresh and powerful ways. So I don't think we should hope for a, a, a kind of a risk-free thing here. Hey, we're all at risk and not much we can do. We can, we can minimize it. I'm not saying go lick door handles. <laughs> right? That's gross. Sorry. Uh, but what I am saying is that there is risk. So let's let God grow our faith in the midst of it. So I have this shirt. My brother, I have a, uh, one of my brothers always sends me Christmas gifts, and it's usually a shirt. And he lives out in a farming community, and they're really cool shirts, you know, like John Deere shirts and, and, uh, and, and it, it, all kinds of really, you know, Carhartt, whatever. So recently, uh, not long ago, he gave me a, a Wrangler shirt, but it had a bright red tag on it. And I, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I've worn it for months. I love the shirt. It's kind of a plaid shirt, work shirt. It's kind of rugged. And, and I looked down this week and I saw the tag and it is a Wrangler fire resistant shirt. Now, I don't know if there's some industries, industries, welders or somebody that had to have fire resistant shirts or whatever, but it's not fireproof. So I began to read this tag and the tag is like paragraphs long. And at the end of the day, here's what the tag really said. This shirt will burn. It just doesn't want to. <laughs> it's like, what? But it won't burn as fast as another shirt, maybe. Here's the reality. You and I, we're at risk. Uh, we don't want to be at risk, but here's what we get to do. As long as we're at risk, our finances are at risk, our future may be a little bit at risk, even our health, we're at risk. We just don't want to be. But the sooner we embrace our faith, the more we can handle the risk. And the more we can live in hope, real hope, not false hope, not, you know, hope against hope, but, but hope in the one who loves us and cares for us. So one of the things I'd like to kind of encourage you to do right now is to just level, kind of figure out your level of fear right now. Where is it at? What scale of 1 to 10? I am, I'm an 11. I'm, I'm out of my mind. Everything, all my employees, my family. And you're just maybe to the point of irrationality. 
I've seen some people like that. Those are the people who knock you out of the way to go get more toilet paper. <laughs> I didn't know toilet paper was a cure for this thing. I'm confused about that, too. There's a lot of things I'm confused about, but I might as well laugh at some of the things. I, I know there's some sadness probably coming. And yet, I want us to understand our level of fear, and I want us to figure out those things that keep us in fear. What is keeping us in fear and keeping us from moving into faith? Yes, there are things to be fearful from, for and about. And I get it, but not to the level most of us seem to be experiencing. How do I move out of the fear into the faith? How do I, how do I not run away from it but not become this doomsdayer? How do I overcome that? My faith could actually move me from focusing on, on what is wrong to what could be right. I don't want to explain this away and be silly, but what if this time, and maybe you're going to have some extended time with family, that could be tough. <laughs> what if this time was meant for you to reach out to people you care about and have a new level and depth of relationship? What if this time allows you to grow in your own character and come to grips with your own issues? What if this time more than anything else would cause you to have an opportunity to spend extended time with God and really searching his word to understand what the promises are and what the hope really is? What if, what if this time there's some things that could happen, some great things could happen? There could be, yes, there could be a worst case scenario, but the more likely is a best case scenario if we move over into faith and stop living in the worry and the fear. So, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. There's a whole lot we don't see. But when we know who holds the future, we know who knows what we don't know, we can live in hope, in courage. Um, I read this quote and I thought it was kind of interesting. It says that courage is the power to let go of the familiar. Well, guess what? <laughs> We're all kind of facing that opportunity to let go of the familiar in so many ways. And yet... If we'll be courageous and we'll move beyond the fear, beyond the dread to hope. I think that's one of the biggest things. People are dreading the unknown. What if we move down the, beyond the dread to the hope? I think another thing we need to do is actually move beyond control or at least the illusion of control. We thought we had control to trust. And, and I don't necessarily mean trust in our government, although I, I, I pray for them. I believe God's going to give them wisdom. And I, I pray that God will use all levels of government, local, state, and national but ultimately trust in God. I think that's what's going to help us. So let me read a passage. And again, it's Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter in Scripture. And it's beginning in verse 6, and it says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And then it goes on, and one of the examples it gives, among others, and it, by faith Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear. Now, that's interesting, holy fear. Holy fear. No, it's not a Batman deal. Anyway, the reality is there is a fear, and it's to, to be afraid to do life without God, <laughs> to not consider God in the equation of your circumstances. We should fear that because there is no good outcome in that case. So even Noah, who is facing a fairly significant crisis, a little bigger maybe even than we're facing. By faith, he feared to not do life God's way. That is the, the, not only the less wise, it's a dangerous way to live your life. By faith, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. 
By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith. An heir of righteousness that comes by faith. What does this passage say? Well, in verse 6, it really says a couple things. Believe in God. Not just that there is a God out there somewhere, but the God of Scripture, the God who came down and died for our sins, the God who has brought forgiveness and assures us that he will take care of us and, and that he will provide for us to believe. That's how we live in trust. God, I believe you're going to provide. I, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to go stand in line and buy eggs if I need to or whatever it needs to be. But I am ultimately, God, going to trust you because there are some things I can't control. I can't control the stock market. I can't control if they lay me off. I can't control those things, so I'm going to trust God. problem is we all, and we talked about this in an earlier talk, we all crave control. We, we, we want to be in control. We want to fool ourselves into thinking we're in control. But at the end of the day, all you can do, because control is really a myth, all you can do is trust God. Let me read a couple of quotes that I thought were great that apply to this. The one is that firsthand faith grows by the trust and see method. The trust and see method. We want to think this way. I'll believe it when I see it. That's a phrase, right? We use it. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, guess what? In faith, I'll see it when I believe it. In other words, sometimes I have to step out in faith. I have to do what I know God wants me to do, and then I see the results. If you've ever heard Connie and I tell our story about coming to California to start Seacoast, we made all the decisions. We said, God, you give us these five things. We know it's a yes. Got back praying about it, and God said no to all five. Th- the circumstances said no to all five things, but we feel, still felt like we should say yes. And then when we said yes, then God provided everything we needed. So here's the deal. In this time, say yes to faith. God will then provide. But first you believe. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. We all want to please God. We're here to please God. That's what we're here to do. And as we please God, we find the life we're looking for. We find the fulfillment, the joy, the peace, all the stuff we want when we please God. We're not earning his favor. It's just a better way to live. But without faith. And so in this, every day I get a chance to choose faith. Today, am I going to choose worry? Am I going to choose faith? Today, am I going to watch the news and get all fired up and figure out who to blame? Or am I going to choose faith? Today I'm going to worry about my immediate comfort and my immediate needs and am I going to be okay or am I going to choose faith first? I'll worry about the needs. I'll take care of the needs. We'll do that stuff. But first I'm going to choose faith because I want to please God because that's the kind of life that is fulfilling. And so every day we get up and we choose worry or faith, fear or faith. We're going to choose faith. Part of the reason we can do that is because we've also talked about in an earlier talk is that We can believe God because of his character and his intention toward us. We can believe the God who provides, who has promised to provide, and he has never lied to us before, and we can believe that. And it says that he rewards those who seek him. And so as a part of choosing faith, I'm going to choose to spend time with God. I'm going to choose to know God more than I know what there is to worry about. I don't know about you, but I have been so tempted to have the news on 24-7. Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? What's the numbers? What's the you know, numerator, denominator, all this stuff. And what are the numbers there? And what are the numbers over there? And how many people did they test? And, all this? and those are all important things, but none of those is going to build your faith. What's going to build my faith is first to talk to God, to remember who God is, to review his promises in his word. Then if I want to watch that stuff later, fine. I can't fix any of those things. I can't do anything about any of those things other than what they're asking me to. I wash my hands. I stay away from people, etc. I'm going to do all that, but I'm going to spend more time thinking about God and his goodness. I'm in denial. I'm not in denial what's happening. I just have a different perspective when I spend time with God. If not, worry consumes me. The media consumes me. All the other stuff gets in my way. But if I choose faith, 
and I choose to trust God first, that stuff's kind of put in its place. It's kind of put in perspective. Noah, his faith was bigger than his questions. I have a lot of questions. You have a lot of questions. But my faith needs to be bigger and more important than those questions. Can God handle my questions? Does God have the answers to my questions? Has God ever proven in a catastrophic situation anywhere in history that he is bigger and that his people have a higher purpose than just survival? Absolutely. Over and over and over again. I want my faith to be bigger than my questions. I'm going to have to let God take care of the outcomes because ain't nobody letting me be in charge of them. <laughs> Nobody's letting me take care of the outcomes. I'm going to have to trust God with the outcomes. And in the meantime, I'm hoping to grow in faith, somehow redeem the very least the inconvenience, if not the pain of what's happening, to redeem that at least for the kingdom. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. The difference is those who are right with God, those who are Christ followers, God redeems our pain. God redeems the inconvenience, the rain in our life. He redeems it for a greater purpose, an eternal purpose. I don't want to miss a single opportunity to do that by being caught up in what's happening right now, things that I can't fix. So I need to trust. Here's what it says in Nahum 1.7. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust Him. Trust Him. Faith obeys even when the outcomes and the reasons aren't yet clear because obedience releases faith. If you want to grow in faith during this time, and I'm not talking about some silly faith that denies what's going on. Not at all. Not at all. But I'm talking about a faith that overcomes what's going on. And the way to release faith in your life is to read God's Word, to know His promises, spend time in prayer, and then to obey. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, let's start with your attitude in mind, okay? <laughs> because I, I can get a bad attitude in a hurry. It doesn't take me much time at all. And in these circumstances, uh, you know, uh, people getting on my nerves, I might even be getting on their nerves. Who knows? But I can begin by obedience. I'm to love God. I'm to love others. If I begin with just working on that, it's going to change how my day turns out. No matter what happens, no matter what the politicians do, the medical community does, if I just begin with love God and love your neighbor as yourself, I'm going to be different. And so I begin choosing faith. Every promise in Scripture is there to help you fight your fears and to feed your faith. Read Scripture. Understand Scripture. Fight your fears and feed your faith. So... Let me just remind you, it's going to require us moving beyond dread to hope. It's going to require us moving beyond control to trust. And finally, it's going to require us to move beyond anxiety to expectation. I, I just want to stop. Is it possible that we could come out of this thing better off? Because I'm going to tell you what's in my heart of hearts. I think we can. I think those who would submit themselves to God who will turn to Jesus every day, who will submit their fears, their worries, their anxiety, their relationships, even their businesses. And I'm not guaranteeing God's going to keep your business afloat, but I am guaranteeing that you can be better off. Maybe your relationships will be better. Certainly your faith will be better. Certainly your priorities will be straightened out. One of the things that happens in a crisis like this is it's a little wake-up call for people who've been making the wrong things their God. they got some idols, their bank account, their achievements, whatever. We get a little wake-up call. I actually, in, the heart, in my heart of hearts, believe that we're going to come out of this. As a church, I believe we're going to come out of this better than we went into it. I truly believe that. I believe God's going to redeem this time. 
Can you just imagine your relationships? If you are spending time, not just getting kids out of the house to get them to school, but spending time in the morning praying over your children. Can you imagine the impact of that? What if rather than just saying hi uh, on your way by, but you make a phone call to someone that you're acquainted with and you tell them you're worried about them and you're praying for them. If there's anything you could do and they open up and tell you they're scared out of their mind, what could happen to that relationship after this is over? It might even open an opportunity for you to tell them about what we're talking about, about how Jesus changes everything. You see, in the kingdom economy, we're not experiencing losses. In God's economy, more important things can be happening if we'll just submit to Him and agree with Him and His plan and go along and let Him take care of the outcomes. Families, honestly, families can be healed. Faith can be built. Communities can be reconciled. People can come to faith. You say, wow, that's a, that's a lot of hype. I'm just telling you what I believe is happening for those who believe and those who obey. Beyond anxieties or expectations, could we possibly expect God to do some amazing things? You know, the church has been through bad, bad things before in the world. And you know what? The church always comes out ahead because our hope is in Him. Not in our circumstances, not in our power, in our might, our physical acquisitions, but in Him. And with God, all things are possible. So in Hebrews 11, it talks about Moses. And it talks about Moses. He says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. You know, sin doesn't just mean going out and living crazy. It could also mean harboring anger and bitterness and fear and worry, right? Okay, just want to remind you of that. That was harsh, huh? Okay. He regarded this disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Got to keep the eternal perspective in mind. You got to remember that someday the most important thing will happen is not when we get to heaven and God goes, you had a great company. You were a great painter. You just, you were a great school teacher. No, what we're looking for to happen is well done, good and faithful servant. Even during the corona crisis, you were a faithful servant. And I'm going to now tell you, I'm going to show you the impact yet. I just believe that's what's going to happen in heaven. That's what we got to keep in mind. It's inconvenient. It's a pain. It's not fun. I get it. And yet, if we think about, I'm going to, I'm going to do a talk sometime during this time about the early church and how they were able to go through some pretty sacrificial situations where they had to sacrifice not just their comfort in cases, some things more, and yet it was because of heaven and eternity Moses understood this. He stepped out of the palace, out of the richest place in the world, the most comfortable life ever, because he knew there was something else. There was something more. There was an eternity that needed to be kept in mind. It says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, not fearing what people could do to him, not fearing what was happening around him. He persevered and he saw him who is invisible. What he's saying is he remembered God. He remembered that God was up to something. We, we sing a song right here, something about uh, up to something good. God is up to something good. Is it possible that in what looks like a very bad situation, God is up to something good? I'm not saying God caused it. I'm not even saying God's excited about it. But I'm saying that if we will submit ourselves to Him, we will put our hope in Him, our trust in Him, and have expectation, I believe God can be up to some pretty good things in our lives, some pretty amazing things. I don't believe there's any shortcuts to get there. I don't think there's any quick fixes. They're telling us this is going to last for a while. There's no shortcuts to a pure heart. But in crisis, it is, it is a quicker way to a pure heart 
because you got to examine your motives. Let me read this quote I, I found recently. And I thought it was interesting. It's a Mark Twain quote of all things. And he says this, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the things you did. So throw off the fear and the loneliness, sail away from the harbor, catch the trade winds in your, in your sails, explore, dream, and discover. Now that sounds completely the opposite of what we're being allowed to do, and yet it's not. What about us exploring, dreaming, and discovering new levels of faith? What if that's what God wants for us? Remember, Psalm 46.1, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. What if we sailed into that, that sea of faith, that sea of, of spiritual growth? Question is, can we move from knowing that God can do something to believing that he's going to do something? See, that's where I'm finding, in the midst of all the people I want to blame and all the reactions I want to have and all the confusion and the questions and all that stuff, I have to tell you, where I'm living right now is moving from knowing that God can do something. I'm starting to believe he's going to do something. What might God do in your life if you moved to faith, moved out of fear, out of anxiety, out of dread, and into faith? I'm not just trying to take your attention off the circumstances. I'm trying to help you grow in the midst of them. The reality is that this could be, you ever see when they, they raise plants, in the West Coast we don't worry about it too much, but I come from the Midwest and they have, they have hot houses, they're greenhouses where it's warm and they get an early start for planting and they start growing the plants and then, and then you can buy them and put them in the ground when the weather's warm enough. It's kind of, it's called hot house growth. It's the perfect environment for growth. Get it? Crisis is the perfect environment for growth because you, you can't distract yourself with silly pursuits with lesser things even things that aren't silly even good things but they're less in this environment what if God wants to grow us up into great people of faith I think that may be what's going on for some of us and I believe that all of us had that opportunity so my question is today you want to keep living in worry or you want to join me and try your best with God's help to choose faith and not fear every single day let me just pray for you guys. Lord God, I know all kinds of things are going on, Lord, and, and I know that you have all kinds of uh, plans and redemptive ideas and so on, but Lord, we're a little confused. We're a, a little unsure. We're a little uh, worried about the outcomes, or maybe a lot. And so today, Lord God, I just ask that you would help us, that you would help us to choose faith every day over worry, over fear, over doubt, over anxiety. I ask, Lord God, that you would help us to see this as an opportunity to focus on you, to grow in our knowledge, our understanding of you, and in our dependency on you. Lord, I pray that we, like Christians throughout the centuries, would be such a bright light in a very dark situation that people would begin to ask us, why are you so hopeful? Are you ignorant about what's going on? Or is there something else? And we would be able to say that, yes, we know what's going on. We're very aware of what's going on. But are you aware of what's going on, that God is still at work, maybe in a greater way than ever? Lord, we have been praying for revival, a spiritual awakening. Lord, this is a great opportunity. Use us now. Grow us now. Develop our faith now. Lord God, we commit this situation to you. And I pray today for anybody who's struggling. If there's anybody out there who's, who's sick, either from the virus or something else, I pray that you'd bring healing to them. 
Lord God, for those who are just struggling with, with financial issues, I pray that you would provide for them, Lord God, and you would give them hope and the resources they need. And for all of us, help us to focus on you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Hope you're going to have a great week. Praying for you.